I've got a wrestling match on Saturday, so I have to buy a door. A door. A door. You need a door for your wrestling match. I need a door for my wrestling match. Uh, for, for your no DQ wrestling match, yeah. I can't imagine how those two things would be connected. Yeah, that right? seems totally unrelated. I'm gonna put someone through it. I'm putting someone through a fucking door on Saturday. I am gonna make sure it happens because someone's got to go through a door, and it ain't gonna be me. I mean, you could just use it as a fake out. You could just like prop it up, you know, with a little frame. You, you, you knock on the door, someone opens it to see who's there. It's you. You've got thumbtacks. That was the real surprise, right? Oh right. yeah, I'm bringing thumbtacks. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Uh, oh. I look. I on Saturday, August twenty sixth, for the listeners, right in Leeds for True Grit Wrestling, the biggest match of my life. Two of the biggest transfem wrestlers in the world are going at it. Myself, Commander Stephanie Sterling, versus the one and only protagonist Kid Bandit. Right, and like with any. Special evening I have of an intimate nature, I'm bringing toys. And those toys, in this case, involve a door and thumbtacks. And sometimes, you know, obviously there was a bit of innuendo there. Sometimes if I'm going to have a sexy evening, doors and thumbtacks might also be involved. It depends what they're into or what we want to put into each other. Well, I was going to say, you haven't really clarified what the tenor of this evening is going to be by indicating what you're bringing because that still could just be either way it really could be but in this case we're having a wrestling match i mean i might save the doors and well not the door that'll be fucked but i might scoop up the thumbtacks and use them for other purposes uh but no 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 big big thing i've got to source me a door because you don't see them often in british wrestling um we still mostly use tables over here i'm getting some tables too don't worry about that um but you know i worked in pennsylvania lived in philly and Mm -hmm. doors came out a lot and just a properly welcome kid um i say welcome like she's been in the country dozens of times like i've um met her on several occasions but just to to really sort of allude to the American heritage, because I'm British American, so the match will involve two Americans as well. I'm going to bring a fucking door. Well, look, I'm sure if you look around the venue, you can find a door. Just bring a screwdriver, unhook one of them. <laughs> it can't be that hard. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll pop up to uh, the venue, just be like, taking this door. Don't you worry about it. Well, no, you don't announce it. You just, like, you, you quietly go take a door no one's looking at. Just, just sneak a door. Sneak it under my dress. Go in the bathroom, unscrew one of the, like, <laughs> cubicle doors, maybe? You Ooh. know, that's a door behind a door. Yeah, a cubicle door would be good. It could go through that. Right. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. You've got to make sure it's a door that someone could conceivably go through. Yeah. Hopefully, like, one of those cheapoid hollow jobs. Oh, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a skill issue. Hit them harder through the door. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, if they don't go through the first time, there's always yeah. attempt two, three, four, you know, <laughs> whatever. Eventually I'll pass oh. the strength check. I've not been playing too I have been playing too much Baldur's Gate 3. That's the only correct amount of it to be playing right now. I keep feeling like you know when you play a game so much it starts to bleed into real life. <laughs> yeah. I remember once I played so much Abe's Exodus that I tried to quick save before doing anything in real <laughs> yeah. life. I was like, 
Oh, I can cross this road without looking both ways. I'll just reload. It doesn't work that way. Um, I once played so much kill zone that the red light, the brake lights at the backs of cars, all I could see were Hellgast. Um, <laughs> and this, like, it's everything. There is something slippery in the hallway, and my first, my actual first thought was that someone cast Grace. <laughs> That's my first thought. Yeah, you, 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 what's, what's your deck skill like? Are you going to be able to pass a skill check to get over this? Oh, absolutely shit. Yeah, I get disadvantage on decks. It's, yeah. it's fucked. I, I, got, I got strength. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, my charisma, of course, through the roof. Int, no. Wiz, no. <laughs> decks, no. Con, fuck no. Um, <laughs> just strength and decks, mate. That's, that's all I've got going for me. But yes, that is to say... Because I've got a dash early this week, because I had a, a fucking thing involving the landlords of this fucking house that uh, she don't want to maintain, even though it's the kind of house that needs constant maintenance. Which will just lower the property value to around the point where I uh, start putting in an offer for it. But yeah, had that, I've got an appointment uh, in, fuck, 20 minutes. Uh, but... Fortunately, I haven't got a ton of games to get through because it's just been Baldur's Gate 3. Constantly dizzying amounts of Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3 with some Atlas Fallen on the side, but who gives a fuck? It's just sand. Atlas Fallen is just sand. Um, I'm disappointed because the, the trailer that Focus put out, and, and it's Focus, so, you know, I always pay attention. Yeah. It looked really interesting. Here are all these weapons. Here's all this cool stuff. And it's like, no, you just fight in, like, the same boring sad uh, sand monsters um, over and over. And they're really boring monsters because they're all just variants of here is a sand monster um, with a sluggish combat system. And it's one of those games where it's like, we didn't know how to make this difficult because all the enemies have really predictable attack patterns. But what if we just like made you fight loads of them and they attack from off screen? Mm. So it's just annoying. So I've mostly focused on uh, Baldur's Gate 3, which remains excellent. Stunningly yeah. so. Stunningly yeah. excellent. Yes. I mean, that's sort of the thing with this game. It, there's a limit to what, how much you could say other than just it continues to be very faithfully 5th edition D&D and it's good. Yeah, like, I mean, there's individual stories I want to tell, but a lot of them can be spoilery. So, yeah. like, there's a scene in Act 2. I alluded to it in the Jimquisition where I sort of beeped over the, the story details, but the Doctor, that sequence is one of the most rewarding results of not taking a combat option I've ever seen in a video game. It was just sublime. And even though that was, like, the standout so far, the game is full of those moments. Just full. It's been an interesting one. Like, I've put a bit more time into it than I had last week, and, like, the things I feel like I can talk about with that game right now are largely things... Not necessarily about actual moments in the game itself. I was watching your Jimquisition this week because, you know, subtitling. Yeah. I've, I've been thinking a lot about, like, uh, about the stuff to do with, like, save scumming and, like, relation to 5th edition D&D uh, itself. And, like, there's some interesting conversations to be had there for sure. But the thing I keep thinking about is, like, 
sure no DM in, like, you know, 5th edition is gonna let you undo a roll that went badly, etc. Mine never fucking did. No. No, but... I, I had a stone there... foot! <laughs> <laughs> Your story about the stone foot, I think, is a really good example. Like, as, as someone that's, like, the last six months I've been DMing a campaign that I've been putting out online, and, like, thinking about that, that, that interaction... If you had a really bad role that was going to lead to that sort of level of consequence, a DM isn't going to like go, let's just re-roll, let's re-roll that and see if you can get that role better. But I think that there's that human element of like, you probably would have had, like, with a good DM, had a conversation up front before the campaign about like, what sort of things are you interested in? What sort of things aren't you interested in from this campaign? Uh, having conversations like, I know I've sometimes had conversations of, that role went really badly and there needs to be a consequence. What are you interested in in terms of potential consequences so that there is some degree of something that feels consequential and is going to stick around but that doesn't make the game uninteresting or boring? Like, knowing whether your players are there for a more combat-heavy or more narrative-heavy campaign. Those kind of things are the things I think a lot of people, like, they're definitely what I'm using saves coming a little here and there to get around is the things that probably would have been conversations with the GM about what the flavour of your campaign is and what you find interesting as consequence. Yeah, yeah. If um, that makes sense. I know, but, total like, sense. Yeah, and like that stuff's been really interesting in, in terms of seeing like a game that is very faithful, rules as written, but that makes decisions for you about like what is interesting about D&D. Because some of the things that like Baldur's Gate does aren't fundamentally rules as written they're just their decision about how to interpret what is interesting in that rule set well that's it that's it exactly that i think is so interesting because it has forever been the dream of the video game to recreate the D experience yeah. like that is what they started on as as the goal mm. in a lot of respects and i have always sort of maintained that that's impossible and that Disco Elysium and, and Baldur's mm. Gate 3, it sounds like, I haven't played it at all, but it sounds like it creates a very realistic simulacrum of the experience of playing that Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Simulacrum right? is such a good word. Yeah. It's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> um, because while it is still providing you with the impression that your options in terms of what can happen based on your decisions are limitless, it's still not a collaboration. It's very specifically the difference between, like, playing D&D with, like, your group of friends with your long-term DM who understands, like, the value of a session zero and setting expectations and having that back and forth of what are the players looking for and creating a campaign that works towards that, versus the kind of experience that I think is a lot more common. Like, let's say you went to a local gaming shop and there was a, a game going on there that's run by someone who works at the game shop, who runs a weekly session that you can drop in and out. And it's like, I am the GM, I'm telling my story, I don't care what you're interested yes. in, I'm the GM who put the work in. You can do what you want within my story that I'm doing my way. And I'm, it's not to say that either of those GM styles is inherently better or worse, but it's... I'll say it. I mean, I have my preferences. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's not that this game 
is because I've seen some people trying to present it as like, oh, this is this is real D and D. Like if if you're playing D and D with a G- GM who's like taking what you want from the campaign out of the story, uh, you know that they're, they're incorporating that into the story. They're not a proper GM. They they they're just they're just one of these newfangled <laughs> youngster GMs. So it's like, no, fuck off. It's stupid enough. Sorry to to cut here, but I just got to say it is stupid enough when we deal with, and I've been talking about this since. Since uh, our, our mutual um, old colleague, uh, Sumit Sarkar, got a phone call over a review that I wrote. Um, I've been talking about it that long. Because um, he, poor fucker, he got a call from a developer because I wrote a review and they accused me of playing the game wrong. And we talked about <laughs> this many times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's stupid enough to accuse someone of playing a a video game, which is a lot less freeform, a lot more regimented. It's very stupid to accuse someone of playing a game wrong. But to do it over a tabletop role-playing game that is supposed to be about flavour and playing characters and interfacing with a human who can adapt and roll with what you want and what you want to do, to say that there is a wrong way to do that, um, a wrong way for people to have fun with that, is so imbecilic that I want to like just just bop him in the back of the head with a rolled up newspaper, like like just bad bad gamer. Yeah. No, it's a tradition that has existed in tabletop almost since its inception. Is that that divide between statistically oriented people who like to do the math, people who played military war games. Those people, and then and then the people who wanted to tell a story. And to be fair, the people who wanted to tell a story did come later. Like, yeah, yeah. But the other thing I would say is, I think there's two separate things. I think there is the divide of people interested in the crunchy number mechanic and the people interested in the narrative. But I think there's also like this very specific divide of how people think about GMs in terms of. Are they a collaborator, like, telling a story that, like, the players are also people telling that story? Or the people who are like, no, as the GM I've done, I'm the one who worked. I'm the one who put this story together. You do my game. This is my game. You do my game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's a specific um, attitude that came out of, I think, like, a lot of it was born in earlier editions of D&D that were a lot more... You needed to be a lot more mechanically precise in your encounter design and could not really do as much on the fly as a GM without a lot of fucking, I'm going to take 20 minutes to write some fucking notes. And that created a sort of like, yeah, you can do what you want, but you can do what you want within the story I am going to tell you. And there's a lot of people who don't like the idea of players being a collaborative part of that. Well, and, and and it's it's terrifying to you know be in that GM position and have somebody come up with something that is so outside of the boundary yeah. of your considerations for <laughs> what they might do, and it it requires a certain measure of improvisation to be you know able to just sort of roll with that stuff and take it in stride and and make something else out of it and god bless any G- uh, dm that plays it with me yeah <laughs> on but that again, note but yeah to, to bring it back to boulder's gate through a bit more specifically like i am really impressed at how well this is being a facsimile of uh you know of playing fifth edition 
But I don't feel bad about the fact that I am save-scumming a little here and there, because I'm occasionally going, look, if I've got the option to fuck around a little bit and to to basically get the result that I might be able to get if I had a real GM that I could have a conversation with, I don't mind doing a bit of that. Yeah. And a little bit of steering to go, I can see that you've got the tools here for me to have the kind of campaign I'm interested in, you as a game are not going to bend to like point me that way. Yeah, if I fudge the numbers a little here and there to 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 get the kind of experience I would have with a GM that would you know listen to what I was interested in from a story, I I'm not going to lose sleep over that. <laughs> yeah, no. and ultimately, the option to save anywhere was put in by Larian. Yeah, so it, it's one of them things where. You know, we this conversation always comes up with Dark Souls as well. Like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You should never do this. This is wrong. When they're talking about features ex- like co-op, like explicitly put in by the developers, these mm. things aren't put in there so that they don't get used. And I've used that for good and ill when it comes to, like, industry criticism, like microtransactions, mm. where it's like, oh, you could just ignore them and they're not part of the game. I'm like, these things are put in the game to be used. And that can be bad, like microtransactions, or like, like, the ability to quote unquote save scum. Um, Larian gave us that option. And and it was the auto saving that did it. I've got like fifty slate save slots for Baldur's Gate 3. Mm. Some of which I, I have used for different things. You know, I've got yeah. one for mid battles, which I don't often use, but if it's a really long fight or something really awesome happened and I don't want that to be lost, like that result, yeah, I'll save. I have saved if like a battle's just started and yeah. something happened that that was really fucked up. I've got no problem with that. And judging by the response to the the Jimquisition this week to the video, only the smallest minority have a problem with this. And yeah. even then, the like the the people I've seen, and this is why I like went out of my way to make my video non-combative. Because I, I think it's an interesting discussion. I don't think it's a con- yeah. controversial one. Because even the people that aren't safe scumming are just very casually saying, like, yeah, uh, I've committed to not saving and, like, reloading saves and things because I want to enjoy that role-playing experience of committing to it, which is absolutely yeah. valid because, ultimately, these are games we've all paid for and mm. they should be enjoyed on our own time in any which way we want. And that is the ultimate way in which a game can never be played wrong is if you're having fun with it, whether you're saving or committing. And I've been going for a sort of hybrid of the two where it's like, okay, this conversation, I'm going to stick with whatever it tells me. And then it gets really tense. And then another time I'm like, this isn't fun having to stick with this. I'm a reload. And I'm doing that based on how much fun I'm going to have doing it. And ultimately... You can't play a game wrong if you're having fun with it. Exactly. So yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is pretty alright. Fucking great. Oh my god. Oh my... I haven't boinked anything yet. And I sort of like that. Like, it is taking a very long time. I've gone steady with Shadowheart, which I just sort of fell into. Because I had Mm. designs on Gale as well. And unfortunately, I had the option to say I wanted them both, but Gale is monogamous and that's his deal. So couldn't. 
I've done kissing, but sex has not been a thing. Flirting as well, but no sex. And I like that because it's all of this has been conversation based. It's the characters getting to know each other. It's experiencing stuff together. It's not this creepy thing that we see in other games where it's like aggressively flirt and turn everything sexual or keep giving them presents to make them like you and fuck you. It's none of that stuff that like quote unquote nice guys in real life think sex works. And too many video games have done that where sex is part of basically a mini game. It's basically a mini game to have a relationship with someone in, say, a Bioware game or some of the latter day Ubisoft games, which were about as creepy as some of Ubisoft's executives. Like, I played the, the, I think it was Odyssey, the, the one set in Greece. And hmm. in order to, like, have your end away with someone, you had to take anything they were saying, no matter how emotional they were being or upset they were or how much they wanted to talk about something else. You had to turn everything sexual and there was an option to inappropriately bring everything back to how much you want to fuck someone. And I found it really kind of disturbing. Yeah. In this game, yeah, there are some characters where the flirting comes real fast, but... That's not all you're talking about, and not every option you have to chat with someone is reinforcing, I want to fuck you, I want to fuck you. And there's no bribery and shit. The one time I've given someone a present, it was not part of a mechanic, like like a gameplay mechanic. It was the character had mentioned they liked a certain type of flower. I had it in my inventory, and as we were talking, I had the option to be like, oh, hey, you like this flower, I've got this flower, and you give it to him. And that was just, and it was really sweet. It wasn't transactional, which is the biggest issue video mm-hmm. game relationships have. It's a transaction. Do all the things that make this character like you. Say all the things that make the character like you. Give them the presence that, like, boost their love meter by 10. There's none of that. And. That's why I'm really liking how long it's taking for me to do and sex. Yeah. Fantastic game. Well, uh, you, I think I've got to run off about now. Yeah. Speaking of fucking, I have to fuck off now. Sorry to the listeners that I've got to uh, dash. It is an unbelievably tightly packed day schedule-wise. So I'm going. And yeah. Hopefully I will see some of y'all on Saturday, August 26th, True Grit Wrestling. Uh, That's in Leeds. Someone's going through a door. I don't intend for it to be me, but I'm bringing a fucking door. Right. I'm going to fuck off. Thank you all so much. You do that. Bye. 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 So, So, what have you been playing this week, comrade? Well, I've played a few things. Um, I mentioned last week that there was something else that I played that I was going to dedicate more time to. And I didn't dedicate that much more time to it, to be honest. But um, there's a uh, snow runner. Have you seen this? Uh, the name's really familiar. What is this? It's like uh... Trucks the Game. Oh, I've seen this. I haven't played it. But I, uh, yeah, I, I know the one. Yeah, it's not. And it's uh, Casey Explosion is really into this. And mm. um, I have seen them play it many times. And... At some point, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go check this out. And it's uh, it's on Game Pass, so it's available. 
Ooh, I did not know it was on Game Pass. This is this is in that category of things I enjoy playing alongside like Euro Truck Sims. Give me give me trucks to drive. Let me drive vehicles around. Yeah, and this is this is a lot more objective focused than mm. uh, a lot of truck simulator games I've I've seen. Um, you seem to be at least in the first environment, which is in Michigan, and these are all like supposed to be you know they're regionally. <laughs> representative but not in any way accurate to any specific place as far as i'm aware um but you you start out in michigan and it's muddy and there there seems to have been some storm that has blown through this area and you have a truck like a pickup truck and you have to go out and find other trucks and use them to uh navigate this rough terrain rebuild bridges, remove roadblocks um, by getting to where a resource is, picking it up, putting it on your truck, bringing it to where the resources is needed to be. Um, mm. That's really the whole fucking game is you take a truck, you have to, in some cases, outfit it with specific gear in order to accomplish the goal that you have in mind you go out mm. to a place you use your truck to collect resources or to pick something up you know gra gra drag something out of the environment and then bring it somewhere else very very just that's what you're doing but in the doing it's death stranding it is fucking Death Stranding in truck form. Uh, yeah. You are constantly, especially in the early going, um, Casey was uh, watching me stream it and gave me some very good advice in terms of like, hey, you should just fuck off with this stuff that you've got now, sell it all and buy this other truck that you will find far more useful for the long term and it will make your life better in the immediate term and <clears throat> and that has worked out um pretty well but it it's uh you get into mud and then you have to figure out okay so using my gears and my uh turning my steering wheel i can work my way out of this there's a winch. You can attach the winch to multiple parts of your truck, and then you attach the other end of the winch to something in the environment, and you can drag yourself out of places. You can drag objects and vehicles with it. Um, it is dense with shit to do in in, in, in trucks, and and it's a, even a bit overwhelming uh, to some extent, and maybe could do a little better job of uh tutorializing but it mm. is fun and it is really satisfying to get stuck in something and then be able to pull yourself out of it using the tools on hand it, it's it just feels good when you can do it and there's no other than the time you wasted getting to that place and getting stuck there's no penalty for giving up and returning your car, your truck back to the garage and going to, mm. to attempt it again or, or go do something else. You know, that's just fine. You just 
pop up the little menu, recover it, and you're back in your garage and on again. It doesn't penalize you for a lot uh, in a lot of ways. You run out of gas, all right, fine, you recover your car. Gas, uh, or you can bring another truck over to it and refuel it. If that's if you know you spent a lot of time getting to a specific area and you can you know scoot around some other way uh, and refuel it fine, do that. But it gives you options. It gives you opportunities to prepare for these eventualities that could happen. You can carry extra fuel in a lot of cases. And um, there, there's a lot of little accessory add-ons and stuff that will make your life easier. Um, but you don't have to do, you can just try and it's fine with that. And if you fuck up, that's fine hmm. too. You know, you might've spent 20 minutes doing it. Oh, well, who cares? Um hmm. I like that approach. It's uh, it's it's enjoyable to play. It's it's almost arcade like in in its you know oh who who cares sort of mentality on it. Uh, the the mud feels real, but the world doesn't, and and I I like that. Um, I haven't left Michigan though, and there's like at least four more areas to go to. Uh, just having glanced at the menu once, uh, it tried to drag me off to Alaska pretty quick in. And I was mm. like, mm, no, no, I know the game is called SnowRunner, and, and maybe you're trying to tell me something, but no, I'm going back to Michigan. Um, and, and I'm pretty close to clearing out what I found on that map to do. So I guess I'll be going to Alaska soon. But yeah, it's, it's neat. It's very, uh, no pressure. Uh, the trucks are fun to drive. The uh, off-road is... It's challenging to navigate um, and feels good when you're successful. It, it's a pretty good game. I would check this out on Game Pass for sure. Nice. Yeah. It, it It's in that category of stuff I tend to enjoy, so it's it's mm. on the list I need to check out. Yeah, I think you'll dig it. I've been just playing a shit ton more Vampire Survivors because I've been traveling and it's on Switch now and that's been an excuse for me to just start over completely from scratch. I am uh, super <laughs> happy with that Switch port. I also just picked it up on Switch, actually, this past yeah, week. Yeah, it's a, it's a good port, it's right? It's a really good port. Yeah, I played the, the co-op with my wife, Linda, on mm. stream uh, a week ago. And she'd never played Vampire Survivors before, so this was an interesting... And now she's hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we both got it on Android, um, like, right after that stream. The, the mobile port's really good as well, right? It's solid. I I don't enjoy playing it on my phone, but that is more to do with the experience of using my phone and not necessarily the uh, quality of the port, right? It's, like, it's it's one of these things where I'll say, my opinion of the mobile port is definitely coloured by the fact that the Switch port did not exist when I was playing the mobile port, and it was really nice to just be able to have, like, I didn't have to bring an extra device with me and I just had Vampire Survivors in my pocket. Yeah. But, yeah, that that's that Switch port's really nice. The Switch Ugh. port's really nice. Yeah, the, like, on the, on the Android port, the, the on-screen analogue, it works pretty well. My big issue is screen size. Right? Yeah, it's just that's fair. you know, and I, I I don't have a particularly large phone, and I wouldn't be happy playing it on the Switch in handheld mode. Probably, it mm. would be more playable to me. 
Um, but that that would not be my my preference. Yeah. I'm sure I have a Bluetooth enabled controller that I could connect to the phone. And that's actually, that would solve most of the problem. Yes. You and know? I will say, I have done it that way. Uh, that game picks up uh, external controllers really well. Yeah. Yeah, it has no trouble finding them. Playing it on Android has reminded me hmm. of one of what is, in my opinion, up there with, with, uh, connect in terms of like things that i really feel opportunities were missed on from a like control perspective right mm. i always thought connect could have had some really interesting subtle applications of that yeah. of that ability um that uh, never were capitalized on and in a similar vein playstation there the the move controller now, not not the move controller, but the move secondary controller. Yes. That one-handed uh, single analog, it has the four face buttons yeah. beneath it and two triggers, which I I have always felt is would be the perfect way to play a turn-based RPG. Mm. You know, just yeah. straight up. That's everything you need right there. Um, you, you got a hentai game? Perfect everything you need one hand but this this is another example of that of a game where i would love i would just play it with a joy con in a hand you know uh, you can do that pretty easily not in the game itself but if you go to the switch's system settings you can create a secondary uh, controller mapping profile that uh, the way i do it for right-handed is analog stick remains as usual right trigger or right bumper is a Mm-hmm. And then just go into the game, and one-handed, one Joy-Con, Vampire Survivors, super doable. Yeah, I, I, I might have to experiment with that. Well, and the right analog is the one that doesn't have the drift, so that's good. Right? <laughs> yet, yet, I should say yet, that's inevitable. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, we're both really hooked on it. I was so impressed that, like, everything is in the Switch version. Like, there's no disparity. Yes between yeah. any of the the various versions it's li- even the mobile version has co-op yeah yeah That's if fucking you connect crazy. yeah if you have like a tablet and you can you bluetooth a couple of controllers up mobile has has co-op um things that i didn't realize the switch version has because there's like you know more parity than you would expect the touchscreen support if you do like that Exists yes. on the Switch. Yeah. It doesn't tell you, but you can just start touching the Switch's handheld touchscreen and it touch controls. Wild. Right? It continues to be impressive. Yeah, for something that, like, on the face of it, when you first saw it, like, a year ago, you would not have been impressed until you had the experience. And now it continues to be impressive. Like, they're. They're only doing win after win on this thing, and it's 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 fantastic. I mean, you love to see it. Mm. There's a reason I've been willing to buy this game over and over on new platforms, just to be like, yeah, I'll throw a couple more bucks at having this somewhere else. Well, and with the pricing, that's that's the other thing about it. How many of us have bought this enough times to where we have spent a proper indie games? retail oh, price. Oh, I on I, it. I I 
guarantee I'm getting there, because I've bought the base game and both DLCs on PC. The base game is free on mobile, but I bought both the DLCs on mobile. I bought the base game and both DLCs on Switch. I've probably spent about 15 bucks. 18? Like, you you spent about 22, 22 American dollars. Yes, yeah. and I have definitely gotten that much money out of it. Yeah, well, I sh- oh, sure. Totally. Yeah. Uh, just at that price i want to i want to i want to go thank you for for putting this game out sure i'll chuck you a few more bucks again utterly remarkable um yeah of a side note uh remember a couple of weeks ago when i talked about that weird director's cut that i saw and no one else saw right remember i talked about this a couple of weeks ago so we now know what that content is mm-hmm. it might not be called director's cut like there's a good chance that like we're not going to see a screen in game that says director's cut but all of that content is coming to the game and the implication it's not explicitly stated but the developer wants to go back to having free content updates basically monthly for this game for a while and all that content is coming to the game, and it sounds like a lot of that shit I saw in Director's Cut is probably going to end up being a lot of free content over several months of little free updates. That's great. They just keep keep putting more shit in that game, and I'm like, hell yes. Thank you for supporting it. If any of you listening to this have somehow never picked up Vampire Survivors, pick it up, it's yeah, good. Yeah, please. I mean, I mean, even if it's just the free mobile version... Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine by this point anyone listening to this has not encountered it in some fashion. But it it's truly, I think, a a universally accessible game that anyone can find enjoyment with. It's and that that's so rare. It's so rare for there to be, you know. And I know that there will be someone out there who will respond to my saying this as well. No, I don't like it, and that's fine. But like normally you think oh some games are just not for some people i'm not sure about vampire survivors i think vampire survivors might just be for everyone it really feels about as close as a game's going to get yeah yeah you played anything else this week you want to talk about um played power wash simulator yeah continuing to just have a chill time washing stuff yeah i i wanted to check out that final fantasy dlc um, uh, what is it? Is it the the bike? It starts you off with the bike and the, the truck, um, mm. but you also do the security robot Tifa's mm. Seventh Heaven, and mm-hmm. um, the the hoverbot. You know the the one is there escaping from the the Shinra reactor. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know you get little like story bits. You know, like it 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 quite clearly positions itself at the very opening moments of, of Final Fantasy VII. Like, when you're cleaning Tifa's Seventh Heaven, they must have just left to go do the job. <laughs> yeah. It's that that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, that's cute framing, and, um, and it's, it's satisfying. They're good things to, to clean, and they get real shiny. And then I also started doing the uh, Tomb Raider DLC, you clean Croft Manor. Oh. Yep, you clean Croft Manor, the obstacle course. I'm currently doing the hedge maze. And this is one of those, like... <sighs> She's rich. Why the fuck am I only getting paid $300 to clean the entire <laughs> exterior for goddamn house? That's outrageous. This is just 
exploitation of the working class by the aristocracy. It, it is indeed. How do you think she held on to such massive wealth without having to, you know, be working a working class job day to day? You know, it's not cheap to go running around the world stealing antiques or whatnot. Fucking obscene. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's it's still fun and relaxing. And I, I honestly, they could put anything in front of me and say power wash this and I would do it. It didn't have to be. Uh, yeah. themed or, or anything. Um, I, I would just like more of this game, frankly. Yeah, and if if brand crossovers are how we get more things to sit and methodically clean, yeah, I can take that. So yeah, we've got a couple of little newsy bits to do while we're here today. Well, let's do it. Uh, this, is, this is probably the big one. So you know how uh, the, the UK's uh, Competition and Markets Authority... Basically, the only group who uh, said, no, we're not going to allow for Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard King. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we know what the big play is from Microsoft now to try and get around this. The UK CMA has been like pretty steadfast on what it is that they're unhappy about. And their specific sticking point was Microsoft being able to become a monopoly in the streaming space. And, like, Game Pass streaming becoming a monopoly. And I do think that that is a legitimate concern. Like, I don't... I think so. I don't know that um, we're far enough along with it that Microsoft actually represents a real threat. But if anyone's going to, it's them. And, And, yeah, I think that's a worthwhile thing to be concerned about. So Microsoft's response to this uh, that has now been sort of uh, confirmed and is doing the rounds is Microsoft has agreed to sell the streaming rights for Activision Blizzard games to Ubisoft if its acquisition of Activision Blizzard King goes through. It would be a pretty big change if it happens, but it seems like this is their one big Hail Mary to get the UK to sign off on the deal. If approved, streaming rights for all new Activision Blizzard PC and console games released over the next 15 years will be given to Ubisoft, with those rights then existing in perpetuity. So if Microsoft owns Activision, then the next 15 years of Call of Duty games will be forever streamable via Ubisoft's cloud servers. Microsoft President Brad Smith states that this change means that Microsoft won't control the exclusive rights to stream Activision Blizzard games. Uh, I'll read his statement here. Under the restructured transaction, Microsoft will not be in a position to either release Activision Blizzard games exclusively on its own cloud streaming service, Xbox Cloud Gaming, or to exclusively control the licensing terms of Activision Blizzard games for rival services. Uh, yeah, that that seems to be the big the big swing they're making. What are you, what are you thinking? About I mean, this? I think that's I, th- I think it's probably going to work. Um, I would be pretty surprised under these terms if the the deal is not allowed to go through. Yeah. You know, it 15 years is a pretty lengthy amount of time in a regulator's eyes for new competition to develop. And, you know, antitrust is hard, but you can always pursue it later if it gets worse. So I yeah. I, I would expect that they'll probably let this fly at this point. Yeah, it is still a case of, as we were talking about before the show, that it's still the industry becoming more of a monopoly than it previously was. It's a condensing down of the big companies under smaller sub-companies and you know ubisoft we have our problems with ubisoft and also oh would you would, yeah. would that be the um still unaddressed uh abuse 
claims yeah, by their yeah, employees those, those, and those very ones, and yeah. the lawsuits and and Eve Guimo and and all of that, right? Yeah, all I of mean those the whole things. Guillermo family, yeah, uh, yeah. as it happens, yeah. Yeah, so you've got all that stuff with Ubisoft, but also, like, this is equally a company that has been eyeing to get bought up themselves for a while. Yeah. This doesn't change the fact that the, the industry is moving in an increasingly narrow, monopolized, big company fashion. Yeah, this is just going to be more consolidation in, you know, uh, maybe a slower pace than than was expected. But, yeah, Ubisoft would love to not be... Ubisoft anymore. They would love to be someone else and are dying to be sold. So that that's yeah. The, that that access rights is going to wind up in the hands of some other giant company at some point. That's inevitable. Yeah. This is not a confirmation that the CMA is going to approve the deal at this point, but Yeah, we're speculating, but it feels feels right. Yeah. So the CMA already said that like the last deal failed. We do not approve it. They are open to assessing a new uh, proposal, so it seems like this is going to get put on the CMA's desk, and at some point in the coming weeks we will have an answer on whether this is enough for uh, it to go through. But I'd be surprised if the CMA didn't thumbs up this, because it really seems like this was the only real sticking point they had. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see. It seems likely that you'll probably be able to pick up streaming versions of Call of Duty on Ubisoft's streaming service, I guess. I guess. And the only other real thing news-wise this week, and there's, like, not a lot to to, to say about this other than just that it's happening, but uh, Charles Martinet is no longer going to be voicing Mario. Well, that, I mean, it's talking about inevitable things. Um, that day was going to come. Yeah, that day was always going to come. Nintendo is allegedly has has moved Charles Martinet. He's not being, he's not, you know, not going to be employed by Nintendo anymore. He's going to have a job title, let me find it, of Mario Ambassador. How did I know the word ambassador was going to come up here? Right. And he's going to continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all, which I assume means he's going to show up to stuff where people want to meet the voice of Mario. And he's going to be on Nintendo's payroll as a, you were Mario for ages, we're not going to stop paying you. Have money because you were Mario. Good work if you can get it. Honestly, yeah. If you can if you can get a job where you not only get that kind of consistent work, but you get to just sit in the, the role of, you were that role for 20 years, can be your job afterwards. What a fucking deal for your retirement years, right? You're going right? to not only get to do the thing that everyone says they're going to do their reti- when they retire. Oh, I'm going to see the world. I'm going to do shit. And Nintendo's going to fucking pay your ass to do it. Yeah. That's a great... Good, good for Charles. I will note about this, and like this is not like confirmed anywhere, but this is just a thought I, I had passed over me. For all the people who asked about why Charles Martinet a year ago wasn't voicing Mario in the in the Mario movie, this is definitely not the reason. No. But knowing that they were probably making plans to sunset him probably made, you know, certainly didn't hurt that decision. We do know when we're going to hear the, the first sort of takes of replacement Mario, or I say Mario, it's like half the characters in the Mario universe. Yeah. Um... So, Super Mario Wonder, that's coming out later this year, I think it's coming out in October, will not fe- feature Charles Martinet, uh, with new voice talent taking over the var- the voice roles of Mario and or Luigi. The other one that we know is WarioWare Move It, 
uh, will feature a new voice artist playing Wario. We don't know if it's one person or other people, but yeah, basically from like September onwards, we're going to be hearing the first not Charles Martinet Marios coming through. I'll look forward to it. Good on him for making that a fucking lifetime career. And good on him for making it a voice that uh, could have very easily been replaced at any time because it's not like impossible and it's so well known but he still managed to stick it out in the job for as long as he did that's that's impressive yeah there's a lot of people who do not manage to make uh voice acting roles stick around in video games even when they voice very iconic people um whether that's well done charles for keeping your job or well good nintendo for not like throwing him out for someone cheaper whatever happened there probably good yeah yeah but yeah it's not that much else this week it's a it's a reasonably quiet got a reasonably quiet week well you know who doesn't who doesn't have a quiet week laura kate dale who is it it's you it's you you do not have a quiet week you are doing all of the things and people need to know where they can see all of the things that you're doing well, you can see all the things I'm doing at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. I've got that good unified branding, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills, Mastodon, Blue Sky, Threads, wherever you happen to be, Laura K. Buzz. Uh, I've got a book coming out October 19th, Stories of Autistic Joy. Uh, look forward to that. It's kind of like that book, Gender Euphoria, I did, but about autistic joy. Like, It's going to be pretty good. If you're around at Gamescom, I'll be there, but I'll be in the hidden back rooms away from all the fucking people. But if you see me, say hi. Just Laura K. Buzz. Keep an eye out for shit I'm doing there. I'll post all the things that I end up doing. What about you, Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at mercenarycreative.com. Also, licensed Jimquisition merchandise last week-ish, give or take, for some of that stuff that's clearance. So if you want some of those designs, go there, check them out, get them now, because they're going to be gone soon. Mercenarycreative.com. You can uh, check out a streaming show that I produce called Red Planet, about how we can work together to make the world a better place. And uh, everything that I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And Laura, did you know someone else we know has a Patreon? (gasps) Oh, who could that even be? It's James Stephanie Sterling. And you can uh, find it at patreon.com slash jimquisition. You can also check Steph out themselves. Leeds, 26th, True Grit Wrestling, if you're in town. Go check it out. If you're not in town, get into town and go check it out. And uh, we will be back with uh, another episode of this next week, right? I'll be coming back from Gamescom. I'll have probably played a shit ton next week. You just wait and see. The deluge. The deluge is coming. (laughs) Okay, we're done. Bye. Bye.